When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They're so mentally unsound that they need some inspiration. <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Are you here by circle? I drive left center field. Going back is Bradley. Going back is Bradley. It's gone. A walk-off home run for Joe Bauer. Hit hard to center. Buxton chasing it. Leaping. Oh, Byron Buxton. Did he catch it? Oh, what a catch. Sano gives it a ride to left field. Get up. Tie game. A high drive. Right center field and deep. Rosario with his third home run tonight. Circling the sides to target field. There's a drive to left off the bat of Dozier. And this ball is gone. A home run. Good. This is it. So there's one game on right now on ESPN. They're doing four games today. We're getting our, our baseball fix early here. And John Lester, who hasn't thrown a pitch yet for the Cubs, but he's batting in the first inning, which is always a good sign. Cubs up three rip on the putrid Marlins in Miami. So they did. The bases are loaded. There's two outs. John Lester's up. And this poor pitcher. So Derek Jeter and, and his is it wife now, Hannah Davis, are sitting behind home plate in the first row. <laughs> yeah. And it was all fun, like before the game. All right, Derek Jeter giving him big smiles and hugs and handshakes, and now they keep panning him. They've been watching this debacle for thirty minutes, and he's just like beside duck himself. Duck into the club soon, right? Did Lester just ground out? There it is. Okay, the inning is that's an over. inning. Batted a half round, inning, a, almost a half hour. If you're for the Jeter, <laughs> pull out your cell phone, call Marlins man right now, and say, "Get back here, dude." I'll take the two thirty. Actually, you know what? Give me Make the two hundred thirty thousand. One fifty, you'll do. Yeah, give me eighty bucks. Yeah, the seats are yours for three years. Yeah. Um, real quick, another. We're getting people are emailing us. Burt Blylevin, circle me stories. This is hilarious. I I do remember this interaction. Uh, Joe emails the show. Apparently, I'm in the minority, but I enjoy Bert's commentary and stories. I also enjoy how snarky he can be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is great. This is true. This had nothing to do with circling anyone, but a few years back, the Twins were in Chicago playing the White Sox, and the game was well into extra innings. They came back from commercial break, and the camera was on a couple of, shall we say, larger women walking the concourse. And Bert said, they've had enough. (laughs) Yep. Yep, keep going. It's great. It's great. It's a. It's awesome. This is where Bert's great. And and Dick Bramer replies, maybe they're just going to get some concessions. And Bert responds, like I said, they've had enough. (laughs) You were here by circle.
He's so right. That's They've where Bert, had enough. That's where Bird is magnificent. Oh, that's amazing. That's like, very good. That's very, very good. I know what I said. They've had, had enough. enough. <laughs> Dude. So, um, <laughs> and I bet there was just a long pause from Dick. Yes. A forever pause. <laughs> Nothing. You just hear him put the headset down. <laughs> never comes back. Walk away. Some of the most fun moments are when Bramer is clearly uncomfortable with like the direction or the line that has been crossed with the commentary. Oh, yeah. Yes. Or I, I think he gets frustrated too when, when like Hawkins or Tory Hunter or Tom Kelly will call him Richard. I don't think he, I don't think Richard is an approved way of addressing Dick Bramer unless you're, you know, legendary status like Tory Hunter or yeah. Tom Kelly. Well, if, t- yeah. if your name is Richard and you choose to go by Dick, you mean it. You mean it. Wow. I'm trying to get unblocked here. Okay. Do you well, guys- no, I'm just saying. If that's what, if you're choosing to go by, that's just fine. But you really don't want to be called Richard, then. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yes, right. that's for sure. As much for sure. as much grief as I give Lapanta for his wild calls, I give him credit when when Bert dropped dropped the f bombs because he thought that they were taping before that game against the Yankees. I give him credit for doing a really good job of just keeping going. I've always wondered what would happened if it had been Dick that day. Was it was it really like I mean he he didn't do a great job of continuing. You mean like the rest of the game or no, like in no, that no, right, segment? Right there in that segment. He just segment. like stopped and then Lapanta yeah, took over. Yeah, but Lapanta but Lapanta picked it up pretty I mean and for Tory Hunter. <laughs> and we're li- and we're live. Oh, we are. And then my point being is I've always wondered how Dick would, would have handled it if Bird had dropped the F bombs with him. That's a great question. Because <laughs> I don't think he I don't think he would have rolled with it. Dude, that would have been... Like, I think they would have had to go to break. Has he ever resorted to violence? Would he just club him over the head? What would have happened? Well... I mean, LaPanta had kind of a... This is 2006, by the way. This is 12 years ago. Yeah. And LaPanta had kind of... It was a young LaPanta had kind of a, you know, sly little wry grin on his face. But he did a good face. job of saying, yeah. Bert, we're live. I'm just going to pick it up. and cover live, for you. and now I'm going. Would Bramer I give him have, credit for that. Would Bramer have covered for Bert in the way that... Or would he have hung him out to dry? I think... Just walks out, just jumps out the window. Just grab his microphone. I'll take that. <laughs> I think Bramer would have been so astounded by the words he had just heard on live TV. I think they might have had to go to break immediately. Yeah, it would have been bad. I mean, it was bad. He only got suspended for like a game too, right? Or was no. it a week? It was a week. It might have been No, he got suspended for like eight games and okay. five consecutive and then like three throughout the rest of that season. He just wouldn't be there. Twins are playing Oakland. It's July 28th and I've got Roy Smalley by my side <laughs> because Burt's suspended for another yeah, game. Exactly. <laughs> uh, isn't it? Like, it's funny that now you can, you can, I was watching something last night on, I don't know what channel it was. No, it was like after 9.30 or 10 o'clock, and it was on a cable channel. Just F-bombs all over the place. Like, there's certain, there's certain Comedy Central does roast now where oh, they just yeah. open it up for anything you want to say. Yep. But if it's after a certain time and the FCC doesn't care as much, then, like, whatever, let it fly. Kids might be watching, but who cares? It's after 9 o'clock. But if it's a baseball game and it's family-friendly and you don't... And you're not expecting to hear somebody drop an F-bomb, then you're suspended for eight games. Just funny how we how we roll when it comes to various. He's words actually from what, what I heard at the time, he was very fortunate he didn't get fired. I think the twins saved him. Yeah, I think Fox said, 
that's it. And I think the twin said, ah, he he tests really well. <laughs> Maybe he has that to thank the twins keeping around for getting him into the Hall of Fame. And I mean that quite seriously. Yeah. Well, what, what staying in the public eye. Oh, that was a, a big part. part. Of, oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think the whole reduction in Bert's schedule now, and I would not be surprised if, if this is the last year of Bert, that whole thing was done with that in mind, Hall of Fame in mind. I think he worked... I think he did that many games for that long because of that. Because of the fact that it kept him it kept him in ballparks, it kept him in the public eye and you know a, a lot of these guys who vote have the baseball package, right? And they're turning around watching games and gals or they're in stadiums yeah, no, and they see him coming around once you, or twice a year and From what I've heard you are exactly right. Yeah. It's uh like to, for that to take 15 years too. Like why? I'm glad they reduced the window to 10 years at least. I mean make it like the, go, guy, the guy's career's been over for Phil. five years. You got to wait your turn, or just figure it out. Like, is he a Hall of Famer? or Is he not? No, he got so much better since 08. Really did. Yeah, <laughs> so much. Well, better. the curveball improved. Yeah. Oh yeah. The curveball I mean, was better. great to begin with. Obviously. Yeah, it but it dominant. got it got better. Yeah. 2010, it was really good. He developed a really good slider too. I don't know if you noticed that. Well, he learned a lot from those tutorials, like Max Scherzer coming into town. You know, the like Chris Sale when you grip the ball. I don't know. Uh, the Reading Cubs, stats. the Cubs and the Marlins are still in the first inning. In case you're wondering about pace of play in 2018, uh, they did put up a graphic about the mound visit limit. That anyone, it's it's a six visit limit, but I don't know what the punishment is. I don't know if they've figured that out yet. I Just don't, a, like a sternly worded yeah. commentary from the well, home plate umpire. I think we're gonna do. I think we're doing what we did. Ugh. What what they did a couple of years ago when they had the rule that you couldn't step out of the batter's box unless it was like a foul ball, um, and I think that was a two month trial, and then they started they started finding people as of like June first. I think this is going to be the same thing, but you are going to have people ejected. I guarantee it. This is going to a because a manager is going to do something or a, a catcher is going to go to the mound and violate the rule. Mm. And the umpire's going to freak out and get mad, and you are again going to have people ejected. Yeah. Uh, I lied, by the way. Uh, I'm going to subject you to a payroll conversation later this hour. But, okay. I, but I found some interesting information about where the Twins fall, how much it matters, and some, some recent World well, Series Paul, winners, too. cheap, though, right? We'll save it for bottom of the hour. We'll save it for like 20 minutes from now. And uh, we can, you know, Matthew Collar had Adam Thielen on his podcast, on the Purple Podcast. Earlier this week, it's available right now on 1500ESPN.com. It's a great conversation. Let's find out what he learned from one of the NFL's best wide receivers and uh, some more uh, offseason Vikings topics. Draft on the horizon in like a month. And we're monitoring opening day. Cubs three, Marlins nothing, Twins and Orioles two hours away. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studio. Mackie and Judd now continue. The sooner the better. On 1500 ESPN. Oh, what's that noise? Oh, interesting. That's your chance to win a free copy of MLB The Show 18 for PS4. Caller number 5, 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500. Caller number 5, a chance to win uh, MLB The Show 18. Not a chance to win. You will win it if you're caller number 5. Uh, Matthew Collar, if you if you haven't checked it out yet, a one-on-one sit-down with one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, Adam Thielen, on the Purple Podcast feed, uh, 1500ESPN.com. Uh, what did you guys uh, discuss? What did you learn about Adam Thielen besides your bachelor conversation that I am in love with? 
Well, first of all, when I heard that sound that you guys played, I just had like a draft flashback to Mike Mayock yelling about guys' quick twitches. Wow. So don't do that to me. Wow. Um, with, uh, with, with Adam Thielen, it was great. Uh, just got an opportunity uh, with uh, some good timing to sit down with him for uh, about 20 minutes and talk about Kirk Cousins in the offseason. And uh, a couple of takeaways. Number one is that his back injury that slowed him down at the end of the year, he said that he is in good shape there. He played in the Pro Bowl and didn't have any ill effects after that. So that's really good news for the Vikings. Uh, another thing was that he wasn't all that happy with the fact that NFL Network cut up an interview that sort of made it sound like he was really pining for Kirk Cousins because it kind of looked disrespectful to the other guys, but it was just how it was edited and put out on the Internet, which has only truth on it, I believe. So he wasn't uh, too thrilled with that. But, uh, you know, I mean, the fact that now the Vikings have their quarterback locked in, I, I think for the two wide receivers, Diggs and Thielen, um, I mean, that, that is good news to not have uncertainty there that they've had for the last couple of years. And then I learned that Adam Thielen likes – healthy pizzas, which does not make any sense at all, and I suggest that he be traded. Wow. Wait, wait. Ex so, explain more. Yeah, I need to know more because I actually I agree with the healthy pizza concept, and there is a way to do it, but I want to hear what Adam Thielen said here for to you first. Well, A, that's why you and I don't hang out, and B, <laughs> um, he, was, he was talking about, you know, making it out of, like, more healthier things like wheat products and yeah. stuff, and putting chicken on it as opposed mm. to, like, pepperoni yeah. or sausage. Yeah. And, again, this is extremely offensive to me, and it's not okay. But I guess it is part of his job to have to run fast, unlike me, where I just sit in a chair and watch football tapes. So I guess I can let it go, but I was upset about it. After so, all right, so you guys are going to sacrifice me after I tell you this, but this is, and, and, it, and it wouldn't show in my physique because I always opt for the non-healthy pizza. But if you want... Uh, you can do, like Thielen said, you can get just like a healthier crust or a cauliflower-based crust so that you're really wow. just eating vegetables as a crust. And, and uh, I almost walked out of the room when he said that. You guys have I never substituted cauliflower in for carbs? Let, let's go back to chicken. Dave is all in on this. Chicken is, chicken is fine. Chicken is good. On pizza, it's absolutely fine. It's a good idea. Yeah, especially with, with, with barbecue like, sauce. Yes. Right. It's got to have barbecue sauce or buffalo sauce on it. Yeah, can't just be regular chicken. Well, but here's yeah. another thing: you can get sugar-free or close to it pasta sauce too, so it reduces the sugar content in the pizza. Oh my gosh! Newman's Own is a great brand. Phil Mackey here, open for uh, endorsements. <laughs> Newman's Own. Paul's Paul's dead, but you'll really enjoy the sauces that he had before he died. Is that yeah? Exactly. You know what? I did. I did have like chicken and broccoli pizza before. That was pretty decent, yes. so maybe I could get behind that a little bit. But no, no, you're that's disgusting. About cauliflower, I'll eat cauliflower if you cover it in butter, not as a crust to a pizza. <laughs> well, no, no, you're not. It's not like it's chopped up cauliflower. Dave, I need your help on this. It, you, the cauliflower is minced so that rice cauliflower. We yes, call it. you yeah. can prepare it as if it's potatoes or any other uh, like carb based. And I, I've done it substituting for potatoes or actual rice, or you just add it to like a you know a curry dish or something. Stir just to, fry, yeah, you know, beef it up a little bit. But no, if you're getting you know a what? pizza, it get a bleeping like, pizza. It sounds to me like you guys are living a lie, and you should just eat the pizza that you want. <laughs> oh, I don't live a lie. I live large, well, not, Matthew well, Collar. You should have seen me at the TCL. Oh, that was good last night. The Wolves game. Two desserts. Let's see. I took two trips to the dessert Nobody tray. Nobody cares anymore. I okay. took. It was. It was absolutely fantastic. You would have been proud. That's great. Um, 
When it came to your discussion with uh, Thielen, did you get around to broaching in some way, shape, or form his uh, contractual status? Because uh, that is going to be very interesting in the next couple of years. At what point uh, he and his representation go into Rick Spielman's office and say, you know, it's been really fun playing uh, for this amount, and I've given you a lot, but you owe me more now. So I tried to back him into it a little bit by talking about um, Kirk Cousins getting paid and just what comes along when you get a big contract, like, hint, hint, there's a bigger one in your future, my friend. But, uh, you know, I mean, Adam Thielen isn't the type of guy that uh, is going to talk about it. I mean, I think that him and Diggs and and just the mentality of this team and how Mike Zimmer is, like that really isn't acceptable with this team for for these players who have kind of come up with Zimmer as their head coach. And you look at – what's happening with uh, Odell Beckham. And you just couldn't imagine that ever happening with players like Diggs or Thielen, where they were just, you know, on video with mysterious uh, baking powder, probably, uh, you know, and, and a good pizza, though, Odell. Good, good pizza choice. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you just couldn't see that. So I wouldn't expect at any point that we hear from Thielen that he's going to want a big deal. But I mean, he's probably waiting to see what happens with Stephon Diggs first and then knows that he deserves every bit of, of the same amount that Diggs is going to get, which does complicate things down the road here. But I wouldn't expect we hear anything about that, and he's probably going to let his agent handle it. But you can bet that after this next upcoming season, he's going to look at this market and say, I'm better than a lot of the wide receivers who are making 15-plus, and I deserve to be paid that way, and he most certainly does. So, so Collar, how valuable or important – are great wide receivers to the winning equation? Because it's a question the New York Giants are trying to answer right now with Odell Beckham Jr. and all the -the off-the-field controversy and the contract demands. Uh, Not that the Vikings are going to be dealing with anything like that with Thielen or Diggs, but but those guys are going to make a lot of money, especially if both get new contracts here in the near future. So how important do you think having that caliber of wide receiver and paying a lot of money for that wide receiver uh, is to the winning equation? I think we saw it last year just how important these two were to the Minnesota Vikings with Case Keenum. Uh, I don't look at Case Keenum as one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the league for sure, and I think that both of those guys made him look good on a lot of bad throws, and it really shows you that if you've got those great weapons that it can take a mediocre mid-pack talent and pump them up, and I think that that's what the Vikings' plan is here with Kirk Cousins to take a guy who's a decent quarterback and make him a star because you have these two great receivers. And and you see it uh, with almost every one of these teams that isn't the New England Patriots. And and the Patriots have Rob Gronkowski, so it's kind of the same thing. And they also have good running backs coming out of the backfield to make up some of the difference. But, you know, you look around at at the good teams and they usually have these dominant wide receivers. And now that uh, the league is so trended toward passing, and passing tends to win. When you look year after year, the best teams, what their uh, you know yards per attempt and adjusted yards per attempt through the air, they're usually the ones that are winning. So I think keeping Thielen and Diggs is vital to this team being really good for a long time. I just don't know if they can do that with Kirk Cousins' contract. I mean, with uh, with Diggs, you look at some of the comparable deals. Sammy Watkins is nowhere in the, in the range of Diggs' production over the last few years, and Watkins has had more injuries, and he's getting something like $30 million guaranteed. I mean, if Diggs should look at that and say, well, I mean, come on, I deserve more than that, and he's been one of the best wide receivers in the league. So 
I mean, I, I think that this does present a challenge down the road, but at least for 2018, they're in fantastic shape with these two. I, I think that you're probably right on Diggs, though. I think they're going to go to Diggs and say, let's sit down and talk, and I think Diggs is going to say, short of you giving me a contract that uh, that completely blows me away, I'm going to wait. I think because Rhodes gave you, and I'm not saying that, that they didn't pay him, but Rhodes, you know, played ball there. Um, Harrison Smith did. I think Diggs is going to say, given the contracts that are that are being distributed to players at my spot, I'm going to wait. I think that's going to be a slam dunk that, if nothing else, he's at least going to take himself to market. And you might have to use the franchise tag here, but where it could get really hairy yep. is if two guys decide they're not going to stay. I mean, if Daniil Hunter and Diggs both decide – to take the risk. And when you look at the market, even if they got hurt this year, they would get crazy paid. If I were the agent for Hunter and Diggs, I would say you guys should both just take the risk because somebody is going to pay you big time on the market based on what your age and what you've already done. So even if Stefan Diggs got hurt and played eight games this year, he would still get a massive contract because teams are really desperate for wide receivers of his talent and what he's already proven. And the same thing goes for edge rushers and how valuable they are. So I mean, if two of these guys decide and they can only use one franchise tag to keep one, uh, that could end up being a, a pretty tough situation and one that we've talked about being concerned about when you spend this much on a quarterback. It's probably more of a Judd question because you've covered the team for uh, for a long time. Why don't the Vikings use the franchise tag? That's a, that is a good I, question. Uh, be, Maybe just circumstances? Nah, I think it's because Brzezinski, their, their cap guy, is so good that they, they have ordinarily found ways. Because uh, if basically since the Wilfs bought the team, they have been fantastic about going to guys and signing them. So in most, of, in most circumstances, when, when it comes to players that they want to retain – they retain them a year out, uh, and I think they've only used it, what, it's twice? Is that right? Klein Saucer, before I covered the team, had it slapped on him <laughs> once and Greenway, I think. But but I really think that they've done such a good job in the last, what, 12 years or so of, of being in complete compliance with the cap that they don't have the panic of saying, oh, oh my gosh, it's gotten too late. For the most part, they keep players that they want, and they sign them a year out from their contract expiring. I think that's why. Yeah, and that's... Yeah, and that's where it's going to be really interesting with these guys, with four of them having their contracts expiring. And then another thing to watch as we get closer to May is whether they pick up the fifth-year option on Trey Wayans. I would expect that they would, but they could also, if they wanted to, not pick up the extension and work out a long-term contract with him, which would probably be better for them for their salary cap as they go into 2019 because uh, that fifth-year option is going to cost them a whole heck of a lot of money for 2019. So there's, I mean, there's definitely a lot of work to be done here. But as you said, Judd, they have about the best salary cap management that you're ever going to find. So if anybody is going to be able to keep all four of these big-name free agents, it is the Vikings. Yeah. Uh, Kyler, before we let you go here, I know you've been doing a lot of draft speculation on 1500ESPN.com. So give us uh, give us an obscure draft prospect that the Vikings may or may not have their eye on or someone that might make sense. Okay, well, so I just did a draft simulation for Monday that's going to be published. And uh, my third-round pick is Anthony Miller, who's a wide receiver out of Memphis. And I think the Vikings do need a number three wide receiver here since they only mm. have – uh, three guys who have ever caught an NFL pass, 
currently on the roster, and there aren't many really impressive names on the free agent market. So he's a guy that uh, has great strength as a wide receiver. He's not huge, but competes really hard and had great numbers, 95 catches one year, 96 catches the next year, and he could fill in that, that more specific slot role probably right away. He's not like a majorly high ceiling type of guy, but someone that would be easier to project that could step right in. So um, I think wide receiver after we get past the first two rounds is definitely a position to watch. And, and I, I like Miller quite a bit. Are we already bored with Stacy Coley? No, I don't think bored is right. I think it's just that he's a seventh round pick and, you know, he had a great preseason last year, but a lot of people have great preseasons that, you know, he didn't show enough, to you know, beat out Laquan Treadwell or, or Michael Floyd, and that's a pretty low bar for how they played last year. And so I'm just not sure that he's going to be part of the long term, and that's probably why he was such a, a low draft pick. He is a guy with a high ceiling, I think, but if we were asking him to be the next Stephon Diggs, I mean, Diggs is such a huge outlier being a fifth-round pick that, uh, that that's probably too lofty of expectations, but if they don't sign anyone here and don't draft anyone within their first three picks, maybe that would tell us they have great confidence in him. But I, I don't think that they really should. It's not like he came into camp and just demolished people last year. He was just kind of part of the mix, and then we'll see if he could take a step forward next year. All right, All right Matthew Collar, go find his podcast, one-on-one exclusive with Adam Thielen on 1500ESPN.com or anywhere you would generally subscribe to podcasts. Bye, Matthew. See you, Collar. Goodbye. He's also on Saturday Sports Talk with Judd from 10 to noon, right? It's fantastic. It's a really exciting show. I, I you enjoy can find it. Matthew Collar on 1500ESPN.com, <laughs> the Purple Podcast, and also now Saturday Sports Talk. Yes, you 10 guys, to uh, noon with, uh, with me. Lots of fun, Matthew. Lots of fun. <laughs> I can't stop listening to that. I think that's as <laughs> solid of endorsement as I can possibly give Matthew Collar. <laughs> that's why you don't have a lot of endorsements. <laughs> I'm watching the Mets-Cardinals game now, so let's go to break. The only thing that could have made that more insincere is for you to actually do a fart noise after you were done saying it. (laughs) That'd be unprofessional. Phil Mackey. Little smartass running around giving orders to everybody. Judd Zolgad. Judd. Do you enjoy any part of your job in any part of sports? Is there anything you take joy in? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. High drive, left center field, going back is Bradley, going back is Bradley, it's gone! A walk-off home run for Joe Bauer! Hit hard to center. Buxton chasing it, leaping. Oh, Byron Buxton, did he catch it? Oh, what a catch! Sano gives it a ride to left field. Get up, tie game! A high drive, right center field and deep. Rosario with his third home run tonight. Circle me Burt Sides to target field. There's a drive to left off the bat of Dozier. And this ball is gone. A home run. Yeah, please don't start 0-6 and buzzkill the whole offseason of anticipation. Just, like, get out to a decent start. Don't forget you to know, win a couple games. 2016 started in Baltimore, yeah. Was that the, where they started, like, 0-7 or something? Yeah, well, that was the one. So they started really poorly in 2015, and they bounced back. Yeah. And then uh, 2016, they started in Baltimore, and they didn't bounce back, and they were done by late April. They always start in Baltimore. They start in Baltimore all the Three time. Three out of the last six years. Okay, because Pavano made an opening day start in Baltimore. 
Yeah, they they it's but you know better to start in warm weather than to start like they pretty rarely start at home. They usually travel the first couple. Tropical weeks. Baltimore. Oh, listen to that sound. That means one more copy of MLB The Show 2018 to give away. Dave. For those that crave the best of baseball, MLB The Show 18. Welcome to the show, rated E for everyone. Color five. Final copy of the day is yours. Cool. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Um, we're, we keep getting these Burt Blylevin stories from people. It's hilarious. JR emails in. I don't remember. This is like 20 years ago, but he I'll, I'll take his word for it. Burt's story. One of Burt's first broadcasts as a color guy with Dick Bramer was in Baltimore. At the end of the game, they had the two shot of Dick and Burt in the, uh, in the booth recapping the game. And the conversation turned to Dick Bramer acknowledging that this is one of Burt's first games in the booth. And Burt starts talking and says... We're in Baltimore. We got the crabs. It's been great. <laughs> Awkward pause and an uncomfortable look when Dick, who then says, I'm not sure that was the best way to put it, but we'll go with it. <laughs> Here's another one on Twitter from Dr. Bits. I do remember this one. I'm pretty sure I remember this one. Uh, he says, I'm probably going to get the wording a bit wrong, but there was an interaction that went approximately like this between Dick and Bert. Bramer goes, Hey, how'd you get the nickname Captain Hook? And Burt goes, have you ever seen me in the shower? Uncomfortable silence, commercial break. Are oh, you were here by circle. <laughs> I don't remember that one. I don't remember that. I feel like uh... I feel like partially because of Bert and also partially probably because of Tori, that in the last few years, Bramer's become a little bit better at rolling with the punches than he used to be. Yeah, well. Because I mean... ha- Tori... Tori says some stuff that is just great, but you gotta roll with it. Yeah, like you've got to go with with the uh, the path he's going down. But that first story, I remember when Bly Levin started. Bramer had no idea what to make of Bramer. Right, and well, yeah. And how would you like? You know, he's such a unique, quirky personality. That's funny. Though. And I do love him for those things. I mean, I like an any Twins fan. Get you watch a guy for twenty plus years, and you get frustrated with some of the idiosyncrasies or like going to the media guide and stuff like that. But I want to talk your ear off for a couple minutes about payroll here. I don't think we need to do a super deep dive because unlike in previous years where the twins might spend like 85 or 90 million. And then the question is, why aren't they spending like, why are they 24th in payroll? Which was definitely a thing a few years ago. Uh, They are mid pack in payroll this year. They're actually 19th, but there's a bunch of teams that are kind of right there around league average. Uh, So the twins According to Spotrack.com or Spotrack.com, $131 million payroll, if you include $3.6 million retained, I think that might include like a buyout or something. I, I can't remember exactly who, but, but around $130 million. It's the most money they spent on a baseball team in franchise history, but because other teams are spending more and more money as well, like the water level keeps going up. You got two teams spending over $200 million, the Red Sox and the Giants this year. Uh, the Dodgers are at 186, Cubs at 182, Nats at 181. The Yankees are actually seventh with a $166 million payroll. And then the lowest spending teams are, let's see, Oakland at $67 million. Yep. The White Sox have stripped it down to $72 million. Rays at 78 
Pirates at 86, and the Brewers, who do expect to contend and go to the playoffs, are at $90 million. Are they really? Uh, fifth lowest payroll in baseball, yeah. Well, I didn't know they were that low. Interesting. I didn't either. And it's funny, like a $90 million payroll is fifth from the bottom. So obviously, like most teams are up over 100 now. Sure. There's 22 teams over 100. And I dug this up. The last three World Series winners, opening day payroll. So, and obviously, like, the Astros went and added Justin Verlander, so you you still have to be willing to be flexible as the season goes on. But the Astros were 18th, Twins are 19th this year, Cubs were 14th, and Royals were 16th. Seven of the last 13 World Series winners actually fell outside the top 10 payrolls in baseball, and only three of the last 13 World Series winners have ranked top five in payroll. And that would be... The Yankees in 2009, the Red Sox in 2007, and uh, the Red Sox in 2013. So, like, the grand point here, you can win a World Series without having a top five or even a top ten payroll, more so now than 10 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just there's just better ways to go about building rosters than, I'm going to overpay for a number three starter in free agency, right? Absolutely. So yeah. I think, and I think the Twins are equipped to do that. But you got, you might have to be aggressive and add during the season still, and get up to like one forty, one fifty if you add a Cole Hamels or a Chris Archer or somebody. But they're in a good spot, and payroll is not going to prevent them from winning a World Series. Yeah, and if they also have um, now, if they they continue to have success, you're going to sign Buxton long term eventually. I mean, your payroll is going to spike upward a lot eventually. It should. I don't think I really don't think that this uh, this current uh, baseball administration you need to be concerned about them being cheap. I just don't. I think what I think they've got a plan. I think it's going to take a while to play out. I think that they they dipped back in uh, during the spring to a a market that had gone incredibly soft and got some good deals. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if Buxton is is successful, they would be absolutely crazy in the next couple of years not to go to him with, with an offer that's going to cost them a ton, but it's going to be worth their while and his while. Yeah, and they're gonna and they're still responsible. This new front office for changing a narrative from the Metrodome days when they just weren't able to financially, unless you know, unless Carl and then his sons and led by Jim, unless they wanted to you know take a loss, you know, compared to the revenue they bring in. They weren't going to compete with Los Angeles-based teams when Torrey Hunter hit free agency. Now, they did choose Joe Maurer, and they did sign Justin Morneau to an extension, but they weren't able to keep all of them. They let Torrey Hunter go. They let they did re-sign Kadire to one deal, but then, they, then he eventually walked in the early days of Target Field. Johan had to walk. So there's still this narrative that, well, you're a farm system for the, the bigger markets, and you know what's it going to take to keep the talent? They did sign Dozier to an extension, but, you know, that's going to be something where if Brian Dozier's in his prime and he walks and plays for a different team, whether it's strategically sound or not, it's going to perpetuate the narrative that sure they well. don't keep their own players. So, yes, but, and I would contend they've done such a bad job at drafting and developing in recent years, especially with pitching. There haven't been a lot of cases where you say, oh, they got to lock that guy up. I mean, like Trevor Plouffe, kind of a flameout. Mm-hmm. Danny Valencia, kind of a flameout. There's been no pitchers, pitchers to lock up. Exactly. So this is the first crop of players, even to Rosario and... Some of those second tier guys that you're going to have to look at here. But in the also keep year. keep in mind too, if this year plays out um, like we think it will, there's a lot of guys with the potential to be done. Mm-hmm. Mauer could be done. That contract's off your books. I think they would San- lean that way. The Twins front office Santana, right now. Right? Santana's not go- going to reach his incentives, so he's probably going to, to be done. So if you bring him back, that's fine. But but you might not there. 
Dozier, you've got to make a decision on. My point being is you, you could, after 2018, be in a very strategic place to spend a lot elsewhere on other guys mm-hmm. if you want, and your own guys like Buxton. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, right now the priority is if you had to start thinking about those extensions right now, Buxton, and it's not it's not there yet. But it's interesting. Dookie said, you know, they offered him two team options to eat up two years of free agency. But those are almost always going to be team-friendly deals. If you're a player like this, Scott Kingery is a stud prospect and made the opening day roster for the Phillies. He's a middle infielder. He's like a second baseman, but he can play anywhere in, in the infield. This is his first time in the major leagues, and he already signed like a seven or eight year contract. What did the Houston guy? Was it Singleton who they they John Singleton made a bid on, and he actually didn't work, but they signed. Yeah. But they did the same thing with him. I think they went to him at. He was he either like just forty come million up dollars or something. And they gave him a huge, or not huge. They gave him a lucrative contract, but that one yeah. didn't work. The problem is, and I I get it. If you're a player, especially if you don't come from money, if you take one of those contracts, and Chris Archer took one, like Chris Archer's Chris Archer's under contract for four more years still. He's been in the big leagues for a long time, <laughs> and he's going to wind up making a third of what he could make on the open market. But when you, especially for a pitcher, if you could blow your elbow out, like you know, you might not make any money. It just depends on your shoulder. Like Dallas Braden blew his shoulder out, can't pitch again because shoulders are worse than elbows for pitchers. But you're basically just taking guaranteed money to avert injury risk. Right. Right. But as a position player, if you're Byron, well, Byron Buxton runs into walls, so he might want to think about that but too. But I think the next, I, I think w- when you go back to Buxton next, it's going to have to be serious and it's going to be very pricey and it's going to probably be worth it. Yeah. And I could see. Sano like, doesn't get that. You know, right now there's no way. No. The the fact that the twins already approached Byron Buxton, according to uh, Doogie in the 10 o'clock hour, it means they're really confident that he's going to click and take another step forward, and they're looking to gamble on that happening while buying low on him where he's at right now. But obviously, if you're Byron Buxton and Byron Buxton's agent, if you go year to year, you're still going to make millions of dollars starting in like a year from now when you hit arbitration. And if you eventually hit the open market and you're as good as you should be, you're a $30 million a year player who hits free agency a little earlier than most guys because you came up to the big leagues when you were like 21 years old, right? Mm -hmm. Or 22. Mm -hmm. So, anywho, you know, we can open up. If you guys have thoughts on the Twins or you want to make some predictions, whatever, open phone lines. We'll call it uh, Ask Mackie and Judd just to be official when we come back. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. But here is Judd for Prime Mortgage Lending first. Thank you, Phil. And these two clowns for days now have questioned my sincerity, right? Well... When I talk about sports, sometimes I'm not sincere, but I am very sincere when I talk about my friends at Prime and Kent McCullough, and that's why I'm recommending them to you right now, because when it comes to Prime and when it comes to Kent, this isn't about simply selling you on something. Prime wants to earn your trust first, and that's important. In fact, they would rather earn that trust than sell you alone, and I'll say that again because it's surprising, but it's true. They would rather earn your trust than sell you alone. It means that while Prime would love to have you as a client, what they want to do is they want to sit down with you first. They want to explain their plan. They want you to be comfortable. And from there, the decision is up to you. This is about a couple very crucial and important words when it comes to the mortgage uh, situation. It's about teamwork. It's about collaboration. That's what Prime's all about. That's what they believe in. And if you're shopping for a mortgage, you can count on Prime to give you sound advice, and they will give you straight answers. And now I'm going to give you the website to go to. It's goprimewithkent.com. That's goprimewithkent.com. Once again, goprimewithkent, K-E-N-T.com. And that comes from the bottom of my heart. Mackie and Judd now continue. You're trained for this. 
You're ready for this. On 1500 ESPN. Are you here by circle? This is great, too. Uh, one of the hidden gems of the cable package that you, if you have Xfinity, which we do here in the studio on our TCL 4K Roku TV, it's at least one week, maybe even two, of free MLB extra innings. So we're sitting here watching. Now, I wish they'd go HD on all these, but whatever. We get baseball. It's Cardinals and Mets. A couple good pitchers who are already giving up runs early on. Yadier Molina with a little bomb ski to start things off for the Cardinals. And it, at least it's not the Marlins and the Cubs, which is an awful game. Yeah. Which is going to take Marlins, five hours. Marlins scored a run. That's We've becoming a tighter game. Just became 4-2. Okay. Schwarber went head first into the left field wall a few moments well, he's ago. In great he okay? shape. He's in great shape Yeah, he's now. fine, but he is stumbling trying to make a catch and just took a header into the I mean, the padded part, so he's all right. Schwarber's ripped now. The Lost Cubs, all that four, weight. 4-3 now. Oh! It's coming back. Did John Lester tried to throw a ground ball to first base and it went to the wall? <laughs> no, he's, he's bouncing the ball now to first base. It's great. God, I love idea. how that's the fix. Like, okay, I've had the mental gifts. I can't throw to first base. How about if I just spike a two-hopper? To, and it's now it's on you. Just figure it out, how Rizzo. Do you, how do you have the ability to throw the ball that hard towards home plate and spot it? Yeah, it is. And you can't throw it. It's yeah, bizarre Human mind is an amazing vehicle, Judd. It's super weird. Now, It's like, overrated, I think. Pitchers would... The human mind is yeah. overrated. Well, I mean, it causes a lot of problems. Unnecessary as far as I see it, but... So does alcohol. You find that overrated? Well, it depends. Mixed drinks, I do. Beer? Never. <laughs> The two might be correlated for you. I'm just saying. Seven six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. How about a little uh, ask Mackie and Judd to to wrap up the show today? Howard, what's going on? Happy opening day. Happy opening day. First underrated beer, Sapporo. It's it's definitely worth drinking. I had a Sapporo Black at Masu in Northeast Minneapolis a couple nights ago. It was excellent. Thank you, Howard. That's yes. a good suggestion. My pleasure. Uh, two things. One. Any player who gets $20 million in an offer and doesn't take it, and I hate to say it, is a fool. You're one play away from ending a career. It's guaranteed it's not like football that you have to fail to pass a physical. And when you have that much money, everything else you're leaving over to your grandchildren or children, you wait for the next contract. But the, I don't understand why a guy wouldn't take his second year in the pros, $25 million for five years or six years. It doesn't make sense to me. So thank you, Howard. Let's take that that point by Howard and extend it out here. So Byron Buxton is free agent eligible in 2022. He'll be arbitration eligible next year. So that means he makes about a half million dollars a year now. Minimum wage is it's like five hundred eighty thousand dollars. And then he'll start. He'll get into the millions next year arbitration. So he's got nineteen twenty. He has four years left of team control counting the 2018 season, and then he becomes a free agent. Where God knows how much money he could make if he were healthy and in his prime and playing at his peak. If you were him, and you know, being self-aware that you tend to run into walls once in a while, how much money would you guys need in total on, let's say, a six-year contract that buys out the first two years of free agency and takes you until you are 30 years old? I mean, obviously, like, if anyone offered us five bucks, we'd probably take it, right? Oh, you're going to guarantee me money for the next five or six years? Right, but, but putting yourself but in the shoes of as a, superstar, a star baseball a player. potential superstar athlete. So let's say he has, uh, let's say he is an all-star this year. So it, it just clicks. Mm-hmm. But you got you to gotta sign the contract right now. Oh. So you can only project what he might be. All right. 
Because I think on the open on the open market, I think he would get like twenty five or thirty million dollars a year based on potential and then based on defense. If I got if I got no well, if they came to me right now with something north of twenty, I think that what I would do is I would say, okay, that will buy out my arbitration years and one free agent year, maybe, and that's about it. So, so, I, so I'm not signing. I'm not locking myself up completely. Uh, but I I know that one goal of teams is is to not have to go to arbitration because that's a dicey process that teams absolutely hate. So I would be willing to hear them out on buying those years out. So I would listen to something like this if I were him. I'm just just kind of spitballing here. I would need it for the two years of free agency. I would need a guaranteed forty million dollars over two years for those two years. But they'd be team options, so obviously, like it's not guaranteed, but they're team options because the team wouldn't do it otherwise. Like the team wants control of those years. So I'd need that's forty million right there for the first four years where it's it's pre arbitration then arbitration. I mean, like, how about you boost me up to let's say four million dollars this year, and then something like an average of eight to ten million dollars, like so thirty four. I need like seventy five million just to have the conversation over the over that six year stretch. Probably way more than that, honestly. Like that say, would I think ju- that would just more like, than that because you're 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 doing them a potential yeah. huge favor. That would get, but like someone is as someone said, here's seventy five million dollars, and you're in great shape generationally now, and you run into walls. You run into walls, dude. Like, and you haven't earned seventy five million yet, right? Yeah, I still think I think because you're doing them a favor, and especially if it's going to go into your free agency years, I would need more than that. A hundred, a hundred. Yes, I think I would. I think the discuss. I think the discussion would have to start around there, which is why it would actually make sense that 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 discussion when it's going to be when it's going to get to be potentially huge money would be after he is very good. If he is very good in 2018, hmm. that discussion takes place in December of. 2018. So basically, so if it was a hundred, yeah. it'd be let's say it's fifty million dollars, twenty five and twenty five in the last two years of that six year deal. So those are the the free agent years that you're buying out. So it'd have to be fifty million dollars over the next four years, knowing that you get him for five hundred thousand dollars right now. He probably makes five million dollars or something in arbitration next year. So like, I don't know. Those deals, I think were those were great deals when teams were ahead of the curve on them. You know, the late nineties, yeah, early two thousands. The Indians did it with a few players Early in the nineties, right? Early, Baerga and some of those guys. Yes, and those were great deals because those guys didn't really. Oh yeah, oh you're going to give me like forty million dollars for sure, and teams are like, yes, right. Don't have to worry about that but guy. That's, right, that's changed now. Oh yeah, and now not only do teams have these financial models that they build out, all these teams have internal databases and stat crunchers and finance people. Mapping out based on your value and your age, what you should be making. Agencies are doing that too, except for Scott Boris, who apparently walks into room he's and just, says, "My guy's an all star." Yeah, he's just morning. He's and a great leader and an all star. But Do- Dozier is going to be there's a very there's a potential here that Dozier is going to be a victim of what's go- what's going on right now. If Dozier was if this was five years back, he'd be signing a long term contract. I think right now. And it's possible that the Twins are saying, all right, here's kind of a lowball thing. And Dozier's like, ah, come on. You know, I'm one of the best players in baseball. And right now there's some friction. And I'm just going to play the season, be a free agent. And he hits the free agent market. And other teams are like, we're not going to give you a five-year deal. He might still come back to the Twins. Oh, absolutely. But right now it's going to be qualifying offer.
All right. Anyways, hey, Twins and Orioles in like an hour, and we'll talk to you guys about it tomorrow for a little Game Show Friday. Write that down and uh, a lot more. Mackie and Judge show page on our website for uh, all the on-demand content.